Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I am a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, we've made it to season two. Here, we're here. Believe it, unbelievable scenes. But the one thing, no matter what the season is, Michael, it doesn't matter if it's winter, spring, summer, or fall. It doesn't matter whether you're short or you're tall, because you can call us the front of the plane still, (laughs) because we are all business. And season two is no different. You can find us on all your favorite social medias Twitter, Instagram. You can find us at Podcast Horseman. Be sure to send us all your favorite things. We will be talking all things season two, and we are looking forward to talking with you about those. You can find either of your hosts on Twitter as well. You can find myself at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can find Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. And if uh, you want to listen along with us, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We would love you to do that because it shoots us up the charts. It helps more people find us. If you want to follow along on Spotify, you can do. If you want to listen on Acast or Stitcher, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, and indeed on that at Podcast Horseman Twitter feed, where every Friday you will see the podcast go up embedded in one of those tweets. And... Later on in this episode, we will be inducting the latest member of our Hollywood Talk of Fame. You can join too if you leave us a five-star review. Just a few words in that comments box. They don't even need to be full of praise. We'll still read you out on this podcast. But those all important five stars. It helps people find us. Helps more people talk themselves horse about that talking horse with us. Wonderful stuff. And speaking of uh, finding us, Michael, just to help people out in case you've noticed... We have a sexy new logo to go yeah. with a sexy season two. <laughs> and it's a horse of a different colour. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's colour, this case. But yes, you may have noticed we are now a lovely shade of green rather than the orange and pinky colour we were previously. But what we are still doing is, regardless of the colour of our logo, is we will always be going to Netflix for our synopsis for the episode. And of course, this is season two, episode one. Brand new couch. Oh, I'm excited. And (laughs) the synopsis is as follows. Bojack believes an upbeat attitude will change his life, but that attitude doesn't mesh well with his new acting job. Oh, Michael, it's good to be 
back a thing that we didn't even really go away from. <laughs> we, we did indeed really never leave Hollywood, did we? I want to give you a bit more credit for that lovely little upgrade to our podcast colour scheme and things like that, because had I have been tasked with this job and I don't have your skills, I probably would just would have literally turned the like the imagery on Twitter and on the podcast feed into a brand new couch. I would have just Googled that and we just would have seen something like that little sofa that sits in the middle of the towers in the wire would have been our new imagery for this season. Of so thank you very much, Adam, for doing that, because it does indeed look lush. Most but well. yes, it is as if we never went away because the words of Secretariat are echoing through this classic Bojack in this very first episode of season two. Uh, a little graphic tells us it's 1973 and we are watching the footage of Secretariat's interview where Bojack's letter is being read out that we have now seen a couple of times that ultimately inadvertently and indirectly led to the suicide of Secretariat. Um, young Bojack is back staring ardently at the television again over the moon that his letter is being read out by his hero. But his viewing pleasure is interrupted by a violent row between his parents, Beatrice and Butterscotch Horseman. You can hear smashing crockery. You can hear rows that then escalate to being about the crockery themselves. This is a deeply toxic and flawed and fatalistic relationship. Um, he Butterscotch breaks one of the pieces of crockery, which Beatrice is only angry before because, as she says, quote, they're for entertaining. And Butterscotch says, well, I'm exitaining. Do you get it? And there again, we see that the curse of that attempted punchline that just never lands. Um, so Bojack, young Bojack, again in his sailor outfit, has been exposed to the awful row. He's trying to block it out. And then it's really tragic because it comes, the row ends, and we just hear the end of Secretary's anecdote. So young Bojack has even missed the thing he wanted to watch because he couldn't drown out the noise of his violently rowing parents. Um, Beatrice comes into the room. She says, don't sit to the TV. It'll make you cruel. Bojack moves back onto the sofa. Um, which I think is quite pointed as well because he moves physically closer to his mother who maybe might need his support after a, a difficult row. And she just says, you ruined me, Bojack. You better grow up to be something great to make up for all the damage you've done. Okay, enough of me being a great mum. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this obviously we, we have to add a bit of light to the shade that is one of these flashbacks, but we shouldn't because this is child abuse as it often is in these flashbacks. Um Beatrice is obviously brutal in her assessment of Bojack and what just, not him, what having a child has done to her life and her marriage and everything that's followed since. Um, I've got to be honest, because this is the cold open, we hit the credits very, very harshly. As a parent, I struggled a little bit with this. I found myself welling up the first time watching it, and I don't know if it's current circumstances that had me again last night when I reviewed this for this episode that we're recording now. It was a little bit too hard. Uh, since having children, I kind of struggle to see children in situations of suffering because I do that very cliched parent thing where you apply it to your own and you can't imagine them having that kind of suffering, not least at your own hands or at your own like caustic words. And this was just so unrelenting. And I think it needed to be because it was, as you so like enthusiastically said at the start of this review, we're back. It's season two. This is the budget version of that. We are back. It's season two. We are back at season two. I mean, they get this as, as horrible as it is to watch. This is a, it's almost like you, you know that they wanted that quick reminder and a very very swift reminder to us the, of what this show is actually about. And I just even after all of that, it's the it's the show in a nutshell. You get Beatrice gives us this scathing attack on Bojack, literally verbally abusing him to the point where he's even just keeps saying, "I know, I know, yeah. I will, I know." He's he's submissive in all of it. And then she attacks all of us, Michael, right at the end. What does she say? <laughs> she says, 
enjoy your dumb little TV show. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> right before the opening credits, after she's just chastised him, she's talking to us as well. I tell you what I really noticed in this, which hasn't yet come up because they've previously they've framed um these flashbacks to Bojack's childhood as being about um like times where he's trying to stifle the memory while Diane's eking out of him. It was all for the memoirs. It was all for, tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your mother. And what we see is something awful. But then how Bojack projects that is, it was great. It was really normal. Everything was fine. This wasn't that at all. This was this like down to earth with the thud. Remember that, as you say, remember the character that you're dealing with here. And the whole room felt smaller. The lighting felt oppressive. You couldn't wait to get out of that building because you were in this with him. Um, we often talk about the complex relationship we, the viewer, have with Bojack as our avatar. Are we with him? Are we living Hollywood, like, like in his body? W what is that? We're, we're still trying to figure that out in the present day, but you're absolutely with him in the past. And you feel, as you say, as browbeaten by Beatrice as, as little Bojack does. It's it's really awful. It's, it's, all, it's brilliant television, but it's... Like, so brilliant because of how awful it is. It can be two real times, but that's why we love it. It's like the, the torture we're going to get off it is essentially the reason why we're, we're going to sit through those opening credits and dive straight in afterwards. Well, and to all our listeners, obviously, you know, as Beatrice said, don't sit too close to TV because it'll make you cruel. It's definitely not <laughs> just being the worst person alive. It's the TV. Yeah, if, you, if you want to gently remove your headphones or whatever <laughs> you're listening to a little bit further away from you, yes, that might help you, but we can't promise anything. We're not going to accept any sort of like legal fees or litigation if this podcast so, makes through yeah. um, we should we should say that the uh, the views and uh, opinions of this TV show <laughs> are not representative of Podcast Horseman or Michael Hamford or Adam Nicholas LLC. You give me you <laughs> give me the perfect segue though because somebody who doesn't have his headphones pulled away from his head is Bojack. He is obsessed with this motivational audiobook that he's listening to, and um, the episode starts proper from the credits with him um, going running, making shakes. He's getting a brand new couch. Um, it's all that sort of like very obvious and blatant self-improvement stuff, but they're all quick fixes one after another after another. We'll get on some of the details of this audiobook as we go because they are genuinely hilarious. But it's quite nice because the brand new couch, which is of course the titular point of this episode, is being brought in and we get the same old ringtone and the same old Todd. So it's like the things that are really consistent and they're all the time in Bojack's life beyond this couch, haven't changed at all. Um, Todd doesn't trust the new couch at all, or this version of Bojack for that matter. All of this is incredibly unsettling to Todd. We'll get back to that as the episode goes on. But uh, Bojack's basically just spouting, blathering crap. He's just trying to talk himself happy, even though nothing has changed between the end of season one and the beginning of season two, to the point where, as he's leaving, he says to Todd, hashtag thank you for being a friend, hashtag pants. He doesn't <laughs> his own motivational speech. And I don't blame him, because the thing he's listening to isn't helping. He's going for a jog up a hill. And the, the audiobook says, the hill is a metaphor. Everything is a metaphor. You are literally a metaphor, which obviously cannot be a metaphor. Um, this is, we, this felt quite true because, well, we've all tried to keep a New Year's resolution. We've all had a really bad night and tried to turn that into a better morning. Um, it was just a, a cute nod to all of that, wasn't it? It's so, this is one of my, there's many, as, as you will learn watching BoJack Horseman, there are many, many wonderful uh, opening scenes after the credits in the cold open. This is, it's up there with me for one of my favourites, this, because of just how, it just, I mean, for starters, some of the visuals are absolutely stunning. Like BoJack watching that sunrise in the morning is such a beautiful thing in <laughs> itself, but actually 
we've all done a version of this. We've all seen someone doing a version of this. And I guess this was like 2015. So even then was when the kind of Twitter boom and Instagram boom was really, really happening. And all this hashtag this, hashtag that, hashtag new life, hashtag new year's resolution, hashtag goals. like goals, hashtag squad goals, hashtag, like it was there, it was a real thing that was happening and they've tapped into it so perfectly here. And who better to be the poster horse for all of this than <laughs> Bojack Horseman? It's uh, it's uncomfortable because as I say, you're never quite sure like how much of you want Bojack to be an avatar for you. But in that moment, like, oh God, if that was ever me, I hate myself. <laughs> Um, he is on, he's just on a one. He goes to see Princess Carolyn with the entirely same crack. Um, she has an entirely brand new inefficient male assistant, Stuart, we meet. We don't see much more of him, but it's just one thing, one problem to another for Princess Carolyn to have to handle. Bojack is just jogging and stretching and hashtagging in her office. He's an absolute arsehole, isn't he? Like, he's just, he's got no real care. It's weird. He's got no care and attention for her like he never does. And yet he's doing it now as this new version of himself. So it's almost as if every single version of Bojack, whether completely depressed or in a fake escape of that depression, will still just abuse Princess Carolyn. Um, we learned through a bit of dialogue that this is a month removed from the Golden Globes, which was, of course, in the finale of the last season. Um and it's weird because he admits he was actually in a massive hole at that point. So is this also now him trying to admit that he's just trying to fake his way out of it? Like it's a very, it's a, the mixed signals from Bojack are very true to him and in keeping with the relationship he keeps with Princess Carolyn. Yeah, he's, he's given off so many different vibes here, isn't it? Like I think he's, we've seen so many characters who want to fake it until they make it. And it, I think he's trying to take a leaf out of Mr. Peanut Butter's book here of just, okay, I'm going to commit to this life. I can be this guy, and if I just, if I, the little engine that could, if I just keep chugging, I'm going to get there in the end, and you just, you can tell immediately that this isn't going to last a second, because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know his metaphors from his similes, from his sentences, never mind anything else. He's not very good, Michael, at being very good at life. <laughs> You're just kind of waiting for the other horseshoe to drop, aren't you? You are very uh, good, it's... you are indeed. He, he carries on this day, which is quite an interesting like way to structure this episode, I think, is that you just, you're with Bojack completely. Him trying to, as you say, fake it till he makes it. Next on his travels is uh, is Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter's place. He's got to pick Diane up for work, of course. They're now going to be working together on the set of Secretariat. Um, he's really happy to see her. He's happy even to see uh, Mr. Peanut Butter. They're both loving life, to quote, the, to quote the pair of them. They agree to go to see a Mighty Mighty Boss Tones gig in a ridiculously laboured Rolling Stones joke. Um, but one that, again, is in keeping with A, how Mr Peanut Butter operates, and B, how fake this incarnation of Bojack is. That would only work. That entire conversation, that agreed plan would only work if you find these two versions of these characters at this very moment. Um, Diane does not trust the whole thing. She kind of mirrors uh, Bojack reactions to Vincent Adultman I found here like yeah. she's the one completely suspicious of this it might as well be three boys dressed as Bojack Horseman in a running outfit because she's like hmm, none of this feels real at all none of it feels true but they just like they leave the house on a complete high um Peter Butter's got a cone around his neck we'll get to the reasons why later on but he's just so happy to be in Bojack's company and the feeling is very very mutual Diane is confused to say the least Diane is us isn't she Diane, as, all, as always, Diane is, is the real version of everything that's going on here. She's the truth. And we're all just sat there like, what on earth is this? Bojack just floating through scene after scene, spouting out acronyms. 
Well, so they go to um, the set. <laughs> they drive into the set. There's just a really cute gag here. Todd is asleep in the back of the car because it's one of the places he's pledged to live because he doesn't trust the new couch. So he goes along with Diane and Bojack to the set of Secretariat. We see Bojack uh, in full costume with Corduroy Jackson Jackson, his co-star. Um, Diane meets with Kelsey Jennings, the director, who we met at the end of season one. Uh, <laughs> she's... Excited isn't the word, but she's sort of optimistic about what this role will play because obviously her book on Secretariat was well regarded and uh, she's been given this role to offer tips and advice on the character. And she's asked to go and stand in the corner and not let anybody trip over a cable. Um, Kelsey Janis at this point meets Todd and loves him because of course she does. Get him a cookie. It's got a very soothing face, and I like looking at it. It's like a Matisse. Uh, this is that place, that thing that we've kind of observed in season one, where just everybody in Hollywood loves Todd almost more than Bojack, which is extremely apparent when he goes to address the cast and crew. Strange this because he's still in that positive vein, so the actual address goes quite well, um, but it just again doesn't feel very true. He says he's grateful and he's hopeful and he's positive that they're all going to do a great job, which is how he feels about this film, but is absolutely not the way that Bojack Horseman would address anybody in this situation, which is probably why he gets a standard ovation without having to ask, do you get it? Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get it? He just gets that. It's like he's, he feels like it's his role and like it's his purpose. Um, and then all he has to do is act, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so the first scene is, uh, is Bojack uh, as secretary at his lowest ebb. The direction is dark, 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 dark. Uh, Corduroy Jackson Jackson is to come into shot and uh, as Secretariat, Bojack is simply to ask what he's doing here. It's uh, He's at a very low ebb, and that's all that is required. Corduroy Jackson walks in. Secretariat is to ask what are you doing here. Adam Nicholas, would you like to take this one? <clears throat> what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? It is awful. <laughs> And everybody knows it, and there's no escaping it. If you thought you were trapped and suppressed by Bojack's hashtagging, there is nothing like being beaten into submission by the seven takes it shows you of him failing to do the line, what are you doing here, in a solemn, dark tone. That is what is required. You are asked, Bojack is asked, to be every scene from Bojack Horseman season one and kind of do it when the camera's on. The cruelty here that lies in all of this is that Bojack, who is allegedly trying to improve his life, isn't he? That's what all of this is about. I'm trying to better myself. I'm in a better mood. Positive mental attitude. PMA. ATT. Whatever the hell he talks about. Hashtag pants. All of it is him trying to better himself. And as such, he's faking this positive mood, or it's certainly it's coming off him. And the irony that that is the thing that has taken away from him any chance he has... That brilliant audition we see him do that mm. wins over Kelsey in the first place is now gone because any ounce of even remotely useful acting skills that he has combined with his actual sadness are now down the toilet because all he wants to do is in typical sitcom fashion pop up for his mark, <laughs> pop up out of his chair, land his mark, do a pause and shout a catchphrase. That's all he wants to do. It is an enormous joke. Like, we it's are, with huge. our stupidest voice impressions there, we are underselling the size and the scale of this joke upon first hearing. It is, but, it's remarkable. It's that If the line was any more detailed, it wouldn't work as well. Listen, to let you know how good and how impactful this is, right, to all of our followers on Twitter, please just scroll down 
and find our very first twist <laughs> and you'll know what it means. That's it. And I feel like that tweet, I feel like the cadence in that tweet is more spot on than Bojack's seven <laughs> attempts here. He, uh, he blames the lighting, he blows it, he forgets the line <laughs> at one point. That's a, it's, it's an absolute catastrophe for Bojack Horseman, the actor, before it becomes an absolute catastrophe for Secretary of the Production. Diane, in her role as advisor, goes to offer a tiny piece of advice um, about the secretary's past. And before she can even get her sentence out, a crew member trips over the cable she was supposed to be watching. Chaos, Nicholas. A light gets kicked over. The, uh, the crew member was holding coffee. She falls face first into the coffee. The light, in the meantime, has set fire to the, uh, the some of the other lights, some of the cables, some of the set. The set that Bojack is in starts to collapse around him. He has to shield his head. Uh, <laughs> The woman dramatically assesses her coffee burns that we never see to everybody facing her. Just for the, it's a, it's a monologue longer than anything Bojack as secretary could ever dream of delivering. Kelsey notes that it'll take two days to regroup, and she says that line direct to Bojack. It's kind of a bollocking. Mm. Um, and in the process of that bollocking, he then flashes back. He darts back to uh, a lousy horsing around scene is the point that you're making. The kind of like the very loud and audacious bit of sitcom delivery. Um, he's doing a scene that ironically ends with a catchphrase from one of the children, Jeezy Kableezy, which I bet you would see could fall back on right now. Um, and in that flashback, which of course has come from Kelsey's bollocking, it is Beatrice Horseman there in the crowd back in the night is doing, watching her son in his sitcom. They're completely uninterested. Um, and just quickly before we go on to a, another difficult Beatrice and Bojack uh, interaction, what did you make of the explosive end to day one of filming on Secretariat? It was exactly that explosive. <laughs> it was. I don't think anybody could have predicted that <laughs> level, <laughs> level of disaster, to be honest. Um, the physical walls of the set falling down, like Bojack in this fake world of it that he's in, that he's <laughs> trying to fake it, trying to fake it. And then we're literally given the world around him collapses and he's just left with nothing and chaos and disaster. Everything, Michael, every single thing that Bojack Horseman touches turns to sh and it's <laughs> And this is no different. He is brought with him in the car because they're carpooling. One of the most skilled people in that room in Diane and she's been given the most unskilled task and in an effort to try and help and do something of note, she has ruined everything because Hollywood is thick. Because Hollywood doesn't know who to listen to. It's listening to the wrong people. <laughs> so yeah, Beatrice was at, indeed at that taping. She wasn't popping for Jeezy Kablizi, despite the rest of the crowd, including the man next to her, wearing a Nike t-shirt that also offended her. Um, he's asking her what he thought. She just said, it wasn't Ibsen, which of course is a callback to how he tried to defend the show in the very first scene of the very first episode. Things she said burrow deep within Bojack Horseman. Um, she says, you're a clown. I'm here, aren't I? Uh, you don't know how lucky you are to have me. Bojack this entire time at this dinner table is literally screaming for booze. The man that once said he didn't want to take a drink because he didn't like the effects it could have is being driven to it as he sits at a table with his, as usual, uncaring and unproductive mother. But it's quite interesting because obviously that's a telling off from an authority figure that has come to the front of his, uh, his psyche as he's suffering one that could ultimately derail his whole career. That flashes him back to present day. Um, he's back in the car with Diane. This might be my favourite line of the whole episode because it is the first point where the crack show of Bojack being ultra positive 
Diane is sat in the car saying, uh, obviously trying to reflect on the day. Do you want to talk? And Bojack just fires back with, talk? Why? So you can put everything we talk about in a book and sell a million copies. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to keep that fake smile on his long, his literal long face. (laughs) Diane's wow. It's again that moment that like, she is us, she is the viewer, she is the truth. She she knows that horse better than anybody else. She, uh, but she does try and help. She she asks Bojack to remember how he figured acting out in the first place, and that takes us again to a flashback. He's uh, he's speaking to Herb Kazaz in 1988, and I'll let you tell us later on how we know what year it is. But he's uh, he's asking Herb what uh, some questions about acting, and he indeed asks him, following on from the uh, the bollocking he took from his mother, "Am I a clown?" Uh, but Herb just blows it all off. He says, "Maybe someday you'll need to learn how to act for real." But right now, don't worry about it. And then with the sharpest of flash forwards, we cut back to Bojack behind the wheel. And then just goes, Bush, I'm not an actor. And that realisation, having oh. had his worst day as a professional actor, is, it's cold. And the absolute the panic and dread that comes over him as he realises, actually, I am a hack. <laughs> and <laughs> well, he's, he's a the hack who's taken advice from a hack. A man so, whose literal production company says he's a catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. The panic attack that is triggered is obviously reminiscent of some of his, his lowest moments in, in season t- uh, one. Um, but <laughs> in what is probably one of the last great cutaway gags be- of this episode before um, Bojack just snaps back into the Bojack that we all know and kind of love, uh, he, he says, it's all right. I've got two days. I can do all of these things in two days. Flashcard. Two days later, Bush, I didn't do any of these things. <laughs> this is back. this is Bojack doing the, the fonts for his book that he was going to write. His new <laughs> book, isn't it, in last season, only just taken up to a new notch where he's lost two days in what seemingly seems like he hasn't left the car. <laughs> he obviously has, but in two days he's been driving pretty much. I really, really like this scene because Diane got that book out of him and knew what it would mean for his career, and she was right, because she's always right, and got that, got those two conflicting memories out of him in that conversation in the car, got that horrific realisation out of him, but also got him to consider how true that might be, because now at this point, she's the most valid voice. She's she's the most reliable narrator in like all of these conflicting thoughts that Bojack has. He kind of has to take on board her advice or her suggestions, and in doing so, like everything, the realization of it crashing down around him is horrific, but it's Diane. So, is the implication from RBW, from the makers of the show here, that he actually needed this? Quite possibly. Like, the, we've seen it time and time again where she's the one who rescues him, whether it's like directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not quite her sitting on the rooftop telling him about, you know, being good and being bad. And mm-hmm. if, like, it's just the things that you do that matter. It's not quite that. But it is certainly here, like trying to help him get back on, get the horse back on the right track, Mike. Yeah, which he, he does, <laughs> he does do accidentally just seconds after returning to the set two days later. He's in his uh, trailer and he's surprised to find Lenny Turtletop and Kelsey right there. At which point he nails the line, What are you doing here? Because uh... he's obviously genuinely distressed about the prospect of what this meeting might entail. Um, but then they ask him to repeat it just like that. What are you doing? <laughs> it's gone again because, as he has realised, he can't act. Um, 
They're making a digital replica of Bojack, which uh, Turtle Top just explains it's because in case he dies, um, they deem certain actors to be problematic, to be liabilities, and without saying as much, they deem Bojack to be one, which is why they get his entire face moulded by some clever computer, which Lenny then notes one day that's how all films will be made. So it's as if to imply that Bojack's inability to act won't even matter soon enough. Yeah, and not to mention the fact that Lenny quite quickly references the fact that a recent book that came out suggests that he's a complete and utter arsehole who may or may not disappear at any time. <laughs> just, to, just to boost his confidence. Um, yeah, so after Lenny leaves, um, Kelsey looks like she's going to try and drill into uh, Bojack's problems, looks like she's going to try and figure out what it is that is maybe causing him to not be able to do this line or indeed this film, and then simply says, I don't care if you're happy or not, you have a job to do. But then she sees Todd again and just melts at the sight of his face. Those two interactions, again, are incredibly pointed. Um, and speaking of melt and face, there's a cut to the crew <laughs> around the memorial for a crew member that we found out to be Deborah, who is, of course, the uh, crew member that tripped over the wire for the coffee incident before. They were around a memorial for that uh, where Diane is stood. Turtle Tob walks up to Diane and uh, says, oh, you're a writer? And she says, with excitement, yeah, 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 yeah. And she says, uh, can you write, watch out for the cable on this poster board? Because, as he kind of makes clear, the board might be able to do a better job than Diane at stopping people tripping over the wire and bringing this film to its knees. Um, at this point, we're back to Bojack's trailer. Mr. Peanut Butter turns up to see him. Uh, Bojack again. What are you doing here? Uh, there's no happiness left in that voice. The delivery couldn't be any better. If only he could do it on set. Uh, he snaps at Peanut Butter because the real dejected and depressed Bojack Horseman is back. And Peanut Butter's only come to give him his Mighty Mighty Boss Tones mixed tapes. The timing, of, the timing of this is absolutely incredible. And Mr. Peanut Butter, energised by the fact that Bojack's given him any sort of time of day whatsoever, has gone off and made these CDs <laughs> with the mixes of all the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones stuff. And he just turns up at this exact Bojack's lowest point of the episode. Well, it's just as well, like it couldn't, what we know is that it's literally two days ago and yeah. it might as well be 10 years because they couldn't be further apart in like nature. These two interactions between these two characters that we always say are theoretically on the same track. And it's interesting here because they stay on the same track, but for a change, they stay on Bojack's track instead of Mr. Peanut Butter's. There's something really like sad here about how misery and abuse is paid forward because Bojack just bollocks him all about the trailer. Like, get out. It's it's no colder than any time that Bojack is normally very flippant to Mr. Peanut Butter. But because it's in contrast to the one they had two days ago, and because Peanut Butter has only done this because finally he thinks that they've got something in common because of the mighty, mighty boss tones. Because um, Bojack yes. has thrown him a bone. Yes, no. Maybe I don't know. Maybe repeat the question. Had he done that, <laughs> maybe Bojack wouldn't have agreed to go to that gig. But you absolute <laughs> monster. <laughs> Peanut Butter leaves the trailer calling himself stupid as if Beatrice Horseman's abuse has gone down to Bojack and then gone down to Peanut Butter. It has somehow broke that facade that isn't really all facade. Some of Peanut Butter is just earnest, hopeful, dog out of a window, excitement about things. And Bojack this one time has cut through and broke him, which I think in this episode particularly makes you think, well, it's not Bojack, it's Beatrice. She is the poison that flows through all of this. Well... I mean, that's always seems to have been the case, doesn't it? That the stuff we keep seeing in these flashbacks, they're getting worse by the minute, which has shown us the well of poison that they have completely instilled within their own son is very, very deep indeed. Mm -hmm. And by no means is it on the verge of being empty. Uh, but as always, 
they give us that it's it's quite sad watching peanut butter outside and getting angry with mm. himself. But then <laughs> to counteract that, they just go he pulls his collar up these corn that he's been wearing for the whole episode comically to stop him from biting his his uh, sprained wrist or broken wrist, whatever it is, and just starts gnawing on his on his cast like a dog in angry fashion. And it was just a nice little way to break that up, but no less an impactful little moment there. Yeah, it's an animal joke is often the easiest safety net just to pull you back from the brink, not least when they've got something much worse still to come. I know, so, on this dog day afternoon that we've got going on. <laughs> Let's end this episode on the highest of lows. Um, <laughs> he gets a call from his mother who uh, says she's read his book, or at least her bits, um, and she just says, I know you want to be happy, but you won't be. You were born broken. That's your birthright. You can fill your life with projects, but it won't make you whole. You're Bojack Horseman, and there's no cure for that. Anyway, and she asks to help with a crossword. And I'll have to cut a little bit of dialogue there, but ultimately this was a call to yet again reinforce the abusive tone, the black tar that flows through Hollywood that indeed flows through their relationship. Reinforce that over and over and over again. She doesn't know that he's on the set of his film and his trailer waiting to uh, undertake this very big role in this high-pressure situation, but it doesn't even matter that that's the case. He could be sat at home happy as Larry, and that would have just ruined his day. Um, we obviously kind of like realise now that he's been putting off taking this particular call, but the one time he, want, he wants, at least chooses to take it, it gets it gives him basically everything that he expected. Another grim, toxic uh, interaction with him. Um, she asks for help with that crossword after that awful, awful little monologue, and he fails to help her even with that. Um, just the, the sense that he's a constant disappointment as she hangs up the phone. She is completely broken him, which of course allows us to go to the set where he smashes the line because of course he does because he's a broken shell of the man he was two days ago. Um, but as if to imply how little any of that matters. The episode really ends on Kelsey simply saying, great, we got it. Let's move on. Hard sting to the credits. So Kelsey, much like Bojack Horseman, has to just block out and move on from this dreadful life of neglect and abuse. Oh, man. Like, just when you thought that well of poison, eh? It was just... <laughs> she comes back in and steals the episode with just cruel, cruel lines. As, as we see time and time again, whether it's through comedy or through tragedy, Something else happens that ends up having the knock-on effect, which actually ends up not helping Bojack, but he's kind of more at home being a sad horse than he is being a happy one. There's an element of um, like coercive control and abuse victimhood there because obviously in her being so cruel, dragging him down as low as he can be and delivering the line, he'll probably almost then justify her behaviour or apologise for it or brush it off thinking, well, I got what I need out of it. Maybe maybe she was trying to help. Maybe she was, you know, that there's that sort of thing where she wants to give that abusive parent figure one more chance, that sort of thing. It's just, it's really, really sad. And of course, the, the two-pointed lines there where you were born broken, we kind of always say this before when something immediately becomes, in this case, I don't want to call it a hit, but just a line that really, really sticks and people mm still refer back to that one as a, a really big one. For, for episode one of season two, it's still an achievement, I think, that they're nailing these ones that just land so hard on people. And indeed, the unlikeliest of echoes in that um, Beatrice references the exact same points that Mr. Peanut Butter made about how uh, Peanut Butter's whole view on life is to just distract yourself with projects. And here, Beatrice has reduced him to nothing more than that by saying that's all he should do. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. Again, we always say that they're kind of just mirror images of each other. And Beatrice Horseman, for all she's a terrible mother, has somehow inadvertently acknowledged that. 
Yeah, and I think we kind of get a bit of another mirror going on in the episode. It's the one where Peanut Butter and Diane get married last season and uh, Bojack's sitting talking to Vincent Adultman, isn't he? And he says he thinks he was born with a leak and anything good inside he had, he felt it's just like kept pouring out. Um, and this is kind of the same thing. She says you were born broken, as mm. in you were born with the hole and mm. like there's no chance for you. And how how does you, how do you manage to achieve, man, when you've got that? That's, that's your foundation. Your solid foundation is this abusive woman who actually sounds tired. She sounded tired. But she's still, it was almost like that's the role that she has to play. Yeah. And she's almost tired of doing it, but she's still called him to do it anyway. Which, like, when she's talking to him and she's saying, like, you're never going to be happy and you're not, you know, you're never going to find the cure for being Bojack Horseman. She sounds like she's exhausted. Like she's been yeah. telling him it for so long at this point that it's boring to her, but she still has to call him and do it anyway because none of them, neither him nor her, know anything different. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's, there's just an unflinching brutality to that relationship that they never like. I, I admire the writing in this because they never bottle it ever. No, they never chicken out. They never sort of take a take a top like an easier route or that. It's always like we're going to go the hardest route here and make we're going to force the writing and the characters to confront everything that we're setting up here in this relationship. It's I think it's a good season opener, obviously, because it's heavy on Bojack. There's not a great deal on the other characters this week, but it, they're quite cute distractions, and I think all the better for it because, obviously, Bojack's stuff is very plot-heavy this week. We talked a bit about Todd already. Uh, he's just His whole plot is that he's trying to avoid the new couch, which is, ends up being sort of great because as a sort of... I wouldn't even call it a B-plot. It feels like a D-plot to Bojack's very heavy A-plot. Uh, when he talks himself round in Bojack's trailers, there's a kind of meta joke where he says, hooray, happy ending for Todd. Oh, Todd. <laughs> so it's like he knows he's a character in a show this week. Um, and all he had to do was talk himself round into sleeping on a different sofa, which again explains why if you had to be anyone in this show, you'd probably just be Todd because life looks pretty easy. 
Uh, Princess Carolyn, other than being irritated by Bojack in the first scene, um, there was a great line where she says, uh, well, I guess people just see what they want to see. Her Vincent, as she's on the phone to Vincent <laughs> Adultment at work. Um, but speaking of other men, or, well, three little boys dress up in a men's outfit, but other men in Princess Carolyn's life. Uh, we meet here, uh, Rudabaker Rabitowitz. I hope I've got that name right. Um, it's Princess Carolyn's colleague in the PR agency on a lower floor. Uh, they talk work for the most part, but they have a kind of a real low-key flirtatious relationship, which has an uneasy air to it when he constantly references a, a kind of delicately unhappy relationship he's got with his wife. Uh, he's not overcritical about her, he just he kind of whinges about the things he has to do with her, and the fact that he's choosing Princess Carolyn to do it with in a overtly flirtatious manner. It's kind of unsettling from the off, uh, but... and. What's worse, I suppose, is that Princess Carolyn is clearly getting a kick out of it, and then she's screwed over by that little kick, that little jolt of joy by the end, because this episode in particular, at least, ends with them having a conversation about a client uh, for the film that she set up, who Rudabaker then steals. Mm. So, yet again, we find a man kind of trampling over her, and not being all that good to the other women in his life, from what we're made aware. So, not a great deal of plot, and yet quite a lot of character development. Yeah, I think Rudabega was a very interesting addition. Like, we've talked about it to death, and we are going to continue to talk about it to death, but the men in this show are given constantly additional things, and we see this in such a cruel way, in that this guy, literally the floors they talk about, don't they, where mm. Rudabega is on the 26th floor, Princess Carolyn is on the 27th floor, and there's that talk of a power dynamic there where he kind of jokes that she's higher up in the world than he is and all this kind of thing. And he still manages to put one over on her by, like, he tries to make it out like this is a good thing and almost emotionally blackmails her and bullies her on the yeah. phone to kind of approve of it, approve mm -hmm. that he's betrayed her. Meanwhile, who was sitting above him, Michael, on the, <laughs> on the very, very noticeable 28th floor? <laughs> With his hand stuck to everything he touches, it was indeed Charlie Weatherspoon and that's why PC's got a new idiot inefficient assistant is because her prior one, son of the company owner, has been promoted above the pair of them. Oh. Disgraceful. Absolutely disgusting. Um, they're all is pigs. It, they're, all, they're, they're not. They're frogs. They're animals. They're horses. But they're, <laughs> all they're all absolute it's pigs. Obviously, after uh, Charlie Witherspoon's wonderful flip note got turned into a TV series <laughs> of all of the printer, printings of his hand or whatever, that, his tie, his tie <laughs> got caught in the printer. Multiple prints of that turned into a film, no doubt, which now sees him above Princess Carolyn, the hardest working person in the room. And some stupid sticky frog has literally <laughs> leapfrogged her above and is in the floor in there on the floor above. Incredible. It was like obviously really disappointing if as and everybody would be a fan of Princess Carolyn, but it was kind of almost nice to reset that for her because that's exactly where she is, that's where she was, and you sense that's where she's gonna be. And that's at this point, at least narratively, the most interesting thing they can do with this character is to kind of like see her try and navigate through this world. Um same too for Diane, who is obviously, as we've discussed, quite a key feature in the set closing down for two days because she's asked to do the most meaningless tasks to stop people tripping over a cable. And when she tries to contribute something properly, everything collapses around her. It's fantastic as it is ridiculous. She's having, I wouldn't say domestic bliss with Mr. Peanut, but they seem to be doing okay. Um, he's got this cone on his head. That's pretty much his whole plot this episode is that he's got a cone on his head and Bojack actually likes him until he doesn't. And then he rips the cone off. That's, uh, that's all we get from him. But uh, noticeably as well, there's a brief moment where Diane 
pretty depressed on set, uh, just steps out for a second to take another call from Sebastian St. Clair. He's in northern Cordovia, absolutely buzzing with the fact that it's war-torn and poverty-stricken. <laughs> to quote Sebastian, he says, people are dying and I'm witnessing it and I need people to witness me witnessing it. <laughs> Which again, kind of plays into why he wanted her there in the first place and um, because all that grief would look good on the gram. Um, she says she'll be there in three months, which is kind of confirmation that she has at least agreed to it, but just put it off. Um, <laughs> he points out, lucky for you, there'll still be all that war. Which time flies, yep, lucky me. And we see the first signs that she may not be as keen on that project as she once was. But then on the other side of that door is her guarding that cable. So if anything, it just kind of makes you think, well, what's going on with poor Diane at the moment? What's going on with the truth and the beauty of Hollywood? Absolutely nothing. Every man is an idiot in this show, Michael. <laughs> Every single one. I've yet to see an example where they aren't. There's just tons of idiots. And Sebastian Sinclair is the worst kind of idiot as well. He's a showy idiot. And he wants other people to help him be a showy idiot. We've met people like this in real life, Michael. <laughs> oh, God. It feels, it feels that very specific point about the intelligence of male characters feels like one of those um, writer's room rules that they put in Sharpie. So yeah. you know those things that like that must always be observed if there's 10 things that absolutely every episode must yeah. do, otherwise it cannot go to air. That feels like it. Like, ask yourself how stupid is the male? Yeah. And if they're not stupid enough, turn that up. Yeah. I think that's like, I think that's uh, something that you don't notice early on because you're only getting to grips with Hollywood. But certainly by the time we've got Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter getting uh, a bi-monthly curated box of snacks approved by a director, you realise what you're dealing with. The world that you're in, you're now firmly in. Wonderful stuff. So I assume that is you all done up with your classic Bojack. That is all up to date. I feel sad. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you can tell we're back then, can't you? <laughs> classic Bojack, classic sadness. Always fun. Well, you know, nice to get you back in the groove for season two. And as always, let's do the thing that we normally do when we reach this point of the show, where we go back and find all of the things in a segment we like to call horsing around. We find all of the hidden Easter eggs, these small details that you might have missed and bring them to your attention. And my word, I think we need some <laughs> because <laughs> it's been a particularly emotionally tasking episode this. But then you knew what you were getting into. You okay. clicked on it. And I tell you what, you'll be clicking on it next week as well. So... You're here for this. What are you going to do? I'm speaking to you right now, podcast listener. What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing here? Sorry. What are you <laughs> doing here? Right. <laughs> so we go back to the flashback initially. Um, first of all, while Bojack's watching the television, uh, you'll notice on the wall is a picture. And I said that we were going to start with some jokes. This isn't really a joke. This is just more sad stuff. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a picture of Bojack and his parents where they're all sat down in a professional photography setting. Uh, his father is sat down on a chair facing outwards to the left, not to mm. the to his left. His mother is sitting on a chair facing outwards to her right. And Bojack is in the middle looking for anybody to look at him and show him any attention whatsoever. Oh. But both parents have been turned away from him on their chairs and he's just sat in the middle looking really sad. So that's and, that's, and that's the one they went with. Yeah. And that's the joke. Do you get it? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, as you mentioned, uh, as Bojack's dad says about uh, sorry his mother says about entertaining he says well i'm exertaining do you get it do, but he says do you get it in the most do you get it <laughs> as he walks out of the room which i really enjoyed i have already mentioned that beatrix says uh, beatrice of course says enjoy your dumb little tv show which i thought was very very clever indeed we go to the credits 
And as we mentioned, these are wonderful in Bojack Horseman. You should never, ever skip them. And here's why, because we get some changes for season mm. two. As you will notice now, there's been a little bit of a change around on how the order of it runs down. In what used to be the supermarket, where you'd get all of the uh, fruits and veg falling all over the floor and stuff, you'd see apple muffins, all that kind of thing going on. That has now changed, of course, because we're at the set of the show, Michael, and set of the new uh, film, The Bojack's On, and you can see in the background you've got uh, Bojack's dressed in his secretariat running gear. Mr. Peanut Butter is bringing Diane's lunch because he's a good dog, and Kelsey <laughs> and Turtletop are there talking over the script, as you'd imagine. And for any, for any eagle-eyed lookers, eagle-eyed lookers, eagle-eyed viewers even, you will see that in the part where we cut at the party scene, normally on screen behind Sarah Lynn is her and her music video for Prickly Muffin. But the scene has been changed, and now we see an interview with uh, Tom Gumbo Jumbo, and it's Sebastian St. Clair who's on the ah, screen because, as we may learn, he's going to become a fixture because he's mm. such an important figure and he needs people <laughs> to witness him, which with witnessing sadness. <laughs> anyway, we go back to Bojack's house in the morning. As we see, he's listened to an audiobook. The audiobook is by Andrew J. Hentz. Now, for anybody who might know this, if you do a little bit of digging, you will know that Andrew J. Hentz is best known for his acting role in Planes, Trains and Automobiles, which oh. is quite ironic because every amazing bit of cinematography that this show does <laughs> tends to revolve around one of those things. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Here's one for you that I bet you missed that I'm really glad you probably didn't bring up. As Bojack is making himself a shake in the morning, Michael, what is he using? He's using a blender, but what brand of blender is he using? Well, let me tell you, he's using the Smoothie Blend. (laughs) (laughs) Because wonderfully, you will see as well, it has the PB Living logo on it, right as he presses there's like five faces, but you're like like what you'd get in an airport to say about your satisfaction. Right. Okay. And he picks the middle face, I think it is, which is like, <laughs> despite the fact he's supposed to be happy, he still picks the middle smoothie. Middle Wonderful smoothie. stuff. That's the smoothie he was in. Uh, you will notice as well that you have the um, the company U-Haul, but of course U is spelled E-W-E in reference to the animal. Uh, and of course, even more interesting, Michael, is that the two guys who are working for you all, there's three of them, but the two guys who are doing Bojack's new couch and bringing it in, do you recognise them at all? I did not clock them in did the review, no. Bet you didn't because you weren't really paying attention because they were dressed in plain clothes. But if you had been, you would notice that these are two reformed prisoners who have, ah. escaped, who have escaped from Hollywood uh, Maximum Security Prison when the helicopter went into the side of the wall back in the uh, first season. It's the guy who looks like Willie Nelson and it's the rhino who both of them are both prisoners and oh, obviously trying to turn their lives around, Michael, hiding in plain sight, I think, still. <laughs> Wonder fugitives. You'll also notice that the, one of the paintings that gets hung on the wall in Bojack's house, a painting of a horse, a blue horse, is actually a Franz Mark painting, which, mm-hmm. again, as the show continues to do throughout, referencing famous artists and their work. Uh, you will notice, well, as you probably have all gathered now, the person who's been calling Bojack throughout this whole episode, who he's been ignoring right until the end, is, of course, his mother, who, if you get the first glance at the phone when she first calls, you'll notice that her icon on his phone is a cigarette. And how oh fitting is that? Uh, and also a little funny joke, yeah, a bit of wordplay. Bojack, who the whole episode is centered around my brand new couch, as it's called. And we discovered that uh, on his podcast, on his, on his audio book, he was told to uh, get rid of the burdens of the burdens of your life so far. 
but he has interpreted that as the burdens of his life so far. <laughs> and that is why he's changed his couch, which I just thought was brilliant. It really, really got me good that on this rewatch. I'd never noticed that before. Um, Bojack is running. Now, this one's an interesting one. When he's out running, you will remember there's a, a jogging baboon who comes past mm. him and uh, is talking to him. And the jogging baboon, Michael, says, on your right to Bojack as he runs past. Now, I know you really aren't a massive fan of the Marvel films and the mm. franchise in particular, but this is a reference to the film Captain America, The Winter Soldier, or certainly I'm interpreting this way, and there's a reason why. Because in that film, at the very beginning, Captain America is running. There's a guy who's running the train who you don't need to know. But it, and Captain America runs past this guy because he's faster, he's stronger, he can literally run genetically modified so he can run faster than this guy. And he keeps lapping him. And he keeps saying to him every time he goes past, on your left is what he says to the guy. And as the baboon comes past, he says, on your right. And what you don't know again about Captain America, Michael, is that Captain America wears the American colours, red, white, and blue. And what colour is the baboon wearing? He's uh-huh. wearing... A blue jersey, I think, with white and red stripes on the nice. shoulder. Degree. So I'm fairly confident that is a little ah, clever, very good. reference. Another great one. And uh, so, what you suggest, what you're telling me then is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe could have just been written, written by baboons with typewriters. Pretty much is exactly yeah. it, Michael. Yeah, let's oh. move on quickly before you get loads of hate mail. <laughs> um, speaking of hate mail and what's on your computer, Vincent Adultman is now. <laughs> Now has an office, and that's wonderful stuff. But as you'll notice, on his office computer is a magnificent graph, Michael, where <laughs> across the X and Y axes, upwards it says stock market, and across the bottom it says business transactions, and there's this amazing line of progression going directly <laughs> up as they all increase. It's just so basic, but it's so bloody wonderful. And uh, Princess Carolyn's office, uh, Stuart, who is a new assistant, comes in to tell her that her coffee is going to be late, like she requested, although it isn't late, of course, she wanted a latte, Stuart, you idiot. Because, <laughs> because as she points out, which is another wonderful thing, assistants are like the Belushi brothers. The good ones leave too soon, the bad ones never go away. <laughs> which I'll let you interpret that, given that we lost one of the Belushi brothers, sadly, and far too soon. And the other, well... I'll leave that to your interpretation. Yeah, she uh, pins that on Bojack without telling him which one. She, <laughs> she does. She leaves him completely ambiguous. And they do make an appearance later on again. Uh, they are referenced later on in the episode. Uh, back in, Bo- in Mr. Peanut Butter's house now, sorry. A cr- incredible scene here where he's looking for his bandana because he's a dog, Michael, and he's looking to distract people from the fact he's got a cone on his head by <laughs> the bandana. And as he's rummaging through the cupboard, we get a, a bunch of assorted dog-related things fall down the stairs in great fashion. We see tennis balls, we see bones, we see a frisbee, we see a chew toy, we see a dog ball, and then we just see a literal stick <laughs> falls down the stairs and out of the cupboard, which is magic. Uh, in Diane's, in, in their house still, but on the wall is a picture of Diane, like mm-hmm. a, a silhouetted portrait of Diane all black with her face and sideways and like white detail on it, which is not Michael too dissimilar to a silhouetted picture I noticed in the flashback of Bojack's house of his, like there's all three of the family members in that house. And I'm sure there's some, I haven't quite got the exact dots there, but there's some sort of Oedipus thing going on there, isn't there? Where Diane, Bojack and his mom, and it's all a bit, all a bit connected. I think any time you can draw a line between those two characters as well, it's quite nice, isn't it? it is. Like things that have made them the way they are. That like there is still a really, really deep connection there. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, it, whether he likes to admit it or not, it's around him at all times. Mm. Um, the last little bit from inside the house is, is Mr. Peanut Butter 
telling the tale about how he ended up with a cone where he says, oh, I got drunk and I thought my reflection was another dog. Before <laughs> pausing and saying, he was wearing my clothes, as in that's <laughs> the reason. That's the reason he was angry, not the fact that his reflection still hasn't actually figured out it wasn't actually him, <laughs> which is fascinating. This one's great. We go to the MMM Studios, which is like a, a take on MGM Studios, but we've noticed that on the logo, the lion is actually a lion man, who's just like a man <laughs> in a T-shirt, but with a lion's head, which is great. But we haven't figured out what the M changed for, have mm. we? We haven't figured that out yet. If anybody can figure that one out, please do let us know again at Podcast That Horseman. wasn't me doing the, like, the, the logo on Matt Paikley there. I was just like, yeah. Mm, mm. <laughs> hey, but you did manage to speak on Matt Paikley into the pod. And that's, <laughs> that's always uh, Back on set, I just noticed a couple of great T-shirts. There's a T-shirt that I think we might have seen already, but it says Vintage Rock Band T-shirt. That's on one of the uh, crew members who has definitely been in another episode, I think. Also, though, this one I particularly like is the Ziggy Bojack, I'm calling it, uh, is the David Bowie... Ziggy Stardust, it's yeah. Aladdin same sort of look, but um, on the T-shirt, it's wonderful, really, really nice. Uh, again, Todd's face, people seem to love Todd. Who <laughs> loves Todd, and Kelsey loves him, offers him cookies because of his face is like a Matisse painting. I just find this hilarious. I want more of this. Please yeah. give me more of Todd's face being a lovely <laughs> thing for everybody. Uh, there's a beaver on the crew of the set who is also in episode four, Zoe's and Zelda's of season one. He's used as a, a person to actually literally cut a bit of wood in half by another crew member, has made a return. I love how they do this. They keep referencing the crew and bringing them back. I've just written down in notes there, what are you doing here? <laughs> Which always gets a pop out of me, no matter what. Uh, we go outside of the set, and we see some very interesting things here. One thing is we get um, two actors are walking past who are in costume. One is a dog dressed as a chicken, and the other is a chicken dressed as a dog. And if that doesn't highlight the ridiculous <laughs> nature of Hollywood in such a great fashion, then you're barking up the wrong chicken leg. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Anyway. You so, I feel like you just morphed into Todd there. I just wanted to like admire your face through the Skype call. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> and also, brilliantly, you will notice another person in costume who is being shipped from one side of the uh, studio to another on a cart. And it is a mascot who is, of course, dressed up, Michael, in the outfit for the Swamp Monsters of Malibu. <laughs> the failed franchise that Penguin Publishing tried to launch and Pinky Penguin put all of his money into, which failed miserably and nearly bankrupted the whole company. Yeah. Uh, just that guy in a costume with two surfboards on the back, because, of course, <laughs> Michael, it's Malibu. <laughs> Uh, Sebastian Sinclair, when he's on the phone out in uh, war-torn Cordovia, will uh, you'll see some great stuff here. As he's talking, there's a middle of a war going on. There's a bunch of foxes who are shooting bullets out of the screen, and they're in the trenches. Of course, Michael, they're in the foxhole. They are nice. down. Very clever little touch. And then immediately after we get a close-up of his face on the phone, we cut back, and they are all dead. <laughs> <laughs> single one of them has been killed because that's the truth about Sebastian Sinclair and his ventures. At least he got a selfie, though. Yeah. Uh, going back on set, there's a wonderful bit, as you mentioned, where the whole set collapses. Everything's gone to complete another shh because Bojack has watched this happen as the cable gets tripped over. It's all gone a bit wrong. If you enjoyed Todd being unconscious on uh, on Herb Kazaza's lawn, you are going to love seeing Lenny Turtletop on his back <laughs> Like a turtle on his shell, he can't get up panicking because he's stuck. It is a brilliant visual. 
please spend time watching that. It's hilarious. Uh, there's another flashback, as we mentioned. Uh, and now you, I have to give you credit here because you caught this before I even got the chance to do my watchback. But in the flashback to the episode of Horsing Around, on the coat hanger in the background is a trench coat and a fedora. Now, I wonder who we've seen, Michael, who wears a trench coat and a fedora. And even more interesting, how many orphans did you say were part of Bojack's tribe? One, two, three. One, two, three. Without a home or a family. Without home or a family. Maybe they could all just put a trench coat and a fedora on and go and do a business. And then, um, as Carolyn said, live with me. Live with me. <laughs> <laughs> also, we get a wonderful uh, nod, as I mentioned. Um, Beatrice saying to Bojack it wasn't Ibsen with regards to the episode of Horsing Around, which is, of course, a reference to episode one where he's talking to uh, Charlie Rose and says, well, it wasn't Ibsen, obviously showing the impact that his mother has had on his life, but also a reference to, of course, Henrik Ibsen, who is the Norwegian playwright, Michael, for anybody who doesn't know, you can check him out on Wikipedia, famous for all sorts of interesting and fantastic works, but none quite as good as an episode of Horsing Around, I'm sure. We're going to um, do um, an episode-by-episode episode podcast review of all of Ibsen's work after this, aren't we? That's our next well, thing. We've had a lot of tweets about it, Michael. They're really <laughs> going to get more about Henrik Ibsen. <laughs> um if we go to Bojack's car, now the great gag throughout here is that Todd is obviously refusing to sleep on Bojack's couch. He's sleeping in the back of uh, Bojack's car, but that's literally where he lives now. So we see this amazing scene where he's just getting ready for bed. He's, he takes his hat off to reveal another hat that he's, <laughs> he's sleeping in. There's a whole bunch of stuff. He pulls a blanket over himself, but absolutely amazingly, and I mean, you've got to pause it space bar by space bar to get this. Um, he's reading a book, right? And the book, Michael, is a Ian McEwan book, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. Ian McEwan book. Uh, it's a famous piece of work you've probably heard. The book is called Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I want to read it. It's it's a great <laughs> book. Of course you do, Michael. And who wouldn't want to read it when the tagline is "Love is meal." <laughs> <laughs> and according to the reviews, it's timeless and raw as hell. Oh, that's amazing. brilliant! And you won't honestly. It's I nearly missed it. I had to keep... It took me ages to get it. That's very why I was good. late for this very call that we're on. <laughs> very good. Worth it. Worth, worth it. it. Totally worth it. If you go into Rudabega Rabitowitz's office, well, first of all, he's called Rudabega Rabitowitz. Matt, Mike, I'm going to call you Matthew there, as opposed to our good friend Matthew Healy. Uh, Rudabega Rabitowitz, because, Michael, he's a rabbit. And, of course, Rudabega, for, for those of you who don't know, I've written this down because I've completely... I needed to get the word in right. Rutabaga is, of course, a root vegetable, Michael. Oh, okay. I didn't rabbit. know that. I didn't know that. Well, there you go. He's a rabbit. He probably likes a root vegetable. Mm. He's probably uh, highlighted best by the lovely plant that he has in his office. Oh, wait. Plot twist. It's a carrot in a pot. <laughs> <laughs> Full stuff. And on his wall, though, the big notable thing inside of his office, there's three guitars on the wall. Mm. Now, they've all been signed by famous people, Michael. And as you can imagine... They're all famous people with a twist. Mm-hmm. One of them is signed by Woodchuck Berry. Nice. One of them is, is signed by Eddie Van Whalen. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is signed by BB King Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> the laziest of all, but wonderful stuff nonetheless. We get a flashback into Herb uh, Kazaza's office back in 1988, as he will show you as he literally picks up a calendar and says, in fact, he says, I'm talking with my good friend Bojack Horseman. <laughs> Bojack, and then says, and the year is 1988. It's amazing. I love the way the show does this. But more amazing than that 
is that he does a fantastic, uh, well, he makes a fantastic reference, which I'm going to get to in a second. But more importantly, on the wall of Herb Gazaz, again, in the art world is prevalent in this show. And you will see a bunch of, a triptych of Bojack pictures that are all done in the style of uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, the famous 90s artist. And they are all wonderful. I would love to own them. And I will even tell you all for free that you can buy these on Etsy. I have considered it. I have looked at <laughs> They are available, and I would very much like one or two. Um, but more importantly, uh, Herb references, he says, um, as Max Headroom would say, and then does the stuttering joke of Max Headroom. Now, for anyone who isn't familiar with Max Headroom, this is worth looking into because Max Headroom, as I will be I'll, – I'll just read verbatim from Wikipedia for you. Max Headroom, of course, is a fictional artificial intelligence character who has the um, stuttering electronically altered voice, hence mm. Herb doing the joke but uh, he was introduced in 1985 as it tells you yeah not oh, three years prior to this michael um and obviously just the weirdest tv personality you can ever imagine this computer generated tv thing blew Genu- my mind as a kid yeah blew my mind. if you have to see yeah. max head go and check him out it's weird it's wonderful and i'm so glad that they referenced it and yeah i bet that was a labor of love for somebody out there mm. and that's always important and we go to charlie last couple here charlie witherspoon's office michael the idiot who is somehow at the top of, uh, in, on a level above Princess Carolyn, although we all know the truth. He has a painting on his wall, which is, of course, a Claude Monet painting, and it's water lilies. And how appropriate is that? Because Very he's nice. a frog, of course, Very it all fits. He's also got a mug that says, I'm an agent. Well, if you keep <laughs> eating it long enough and drinking from it, maybe it'll become true. And that actually is a wrap for Horsing Around this week, because. Oof. And it's been long. I apologise. It's been quite a long. No, they went big. I like that. That was. Um, it's a nice welcome back to the season with all this sort of stuff, isn't it? You know. It certainly is. They set the bar high in season one, and the worry for me is that I know they're going to get bigger. I I know they do as we go on. The, this podcast is going to get really long. I can see it. <laughs> I apologise to everyone in advance because the days of fifty-minute podcasts, I think, might <laughs> be over. Who knows? Anyway, this is the point of the show, Michael, where we now will go through. Incredibly, if we didn't manage to find time to do it and all of this, and find that one last thing, and then we swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Do you have anything good? Because I, much like Bojack, realising he isn't an actor, have just been filled with dread at the thought that I haven't thought of one for this. <laughs> I've got one, and I've, okay. it's, to be honest, it's, I've made it up, I think. But it's just something I really appreciated. So this is season two, uh, episode one, and brand new couch... Uh, as a title, there's obviously a, there's a literal reference here. There's a great bit of wordplay that you've highlighted there as to why that this would feature. But I can say with some confidence now that I believe Bojack Horseman to be the greatest animated show of all time. Um, but what would most people consider the greatest animated show of all time to be? They would consider that to be The Simpsons. Mm. However, in The Simpsons, once a week, no matter what Homer does, no matter what Bart does, no matter what Marge does, no matter what, oh God, it's a Lisa episode, Lisa does. Um, there are no consequences, really. That has been a criticism of that show as it has devolved from this legendary, iconic, and very much speaking to the world program it used to be. It just matters less and less. It's never really felt any less relevant. And yet, every week, without fail, there it is at the start, at the top of the show a brand new couch, a brand new couch gag. Bojack Horseman does that once because that is a gag once. And then everything else in Bojack Horseman happens and matters and relates to something you've seen and will have consequences. 
and we'll matter next week. And if you thought this week's Beatrice interaction was bad, wait till next season and so on and so on and so on. For them to, I don't think this was a dig at the Simpsons at all, but I just find it quite cute that brand new couch is something that matters once for one gag in one episode and then we have to live with everything. Whereas in The Simpsons, it is there every week in bright colours to remind you that it's a fresh start, that you can just settle in for 25 comfortable minutes. Bojack Horseman couldn't be any more the opposite, and I couldn't be any more grateful that we're doing that show for a podcast rather than The Simpsons. To put down on paper these things that are going to happen, and ultimately they are going to have to have an impact or certainly be reflected for the rest of time, even if it was just something dumb and stupid, like Sarah Lynn... Sarah Lynn, that's her name, isn't it? Sarah Lynn lighting his ottoman on fire, and we yeah. get that for the for the rest of that season. He's got a burn ottoman. Like <laughs> that, that, that's what I love. This, this is it's changed. I can't understand it enough. It's changed for me. Changed the the possibilities for the genre of animated TV shows. In my personal opinion, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of other shows doing great stuff. I don't want to undermine them at all because there really is some fantastic stuff out there. But this for me has changed the game, and is everybody should be thinking this is a a format you can take seriously, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Um, the one little thing I've got here that is, uh, I, I guess it's me clutching the straws a little bit, but I, I'm going to go with it anyway because I found it interesting. Well, obviously, uh, as Bojack was on the phone with Beatrice right at the end of the episode, she ultimately only really rang him because she was stuck on her crossword puzzle. Mm. She asked him for a five-letter name of the director who did, I can't remember the name of the film she mentions, but he gets it wrong. And I did a little bit of digging to actually find who the actual, I, the correct answer of that crossword yeah. puzzle was. The correct answer she was looking for is a director who was called uh, George Dewey, and I think the surname is pronounced Kukor, which is spelled C-U-K-O-R, which obviously would fit the uh, crossword puzzle. I just find this fascinating because even within that, you know there's got to be some references here to, mm-hmm. to they want you to go and do this, I guess. And just looking through the, the the list of films, just the early list of films here that are listed on his um, on his list, I guess. <laughs> um, what Price Hollywood is one of them. That's one of their names. A Bill of Deforcement is another. <sighs> Our Betters is another, which I guess kind of then plays nicely into this one. He's also responsible, Michael, for Little Women. Wow. Um, right. And these all feel so impactful. Like... I don't know. Just looking at that collection there, they um, speak. They speak to the themes of this show. They speak so heavily, and I just thought that was such a like. I've had. I, they knew someone was going to go off and do that mm. and have a little look, and that's exactly what we've done here. And, and that is a collection of films there that I just feel like, even in somewhere here, we've got. I think it's saying that it says his career flourished at RKO when uh, David O. Selznick, the studio's head of production, assigned him as the director of several of their major films. And further down the line, we've got Romeo and Juliet is even in there, a 1936 edition of Romeo and Juliet, right. which the tragedy alone from that, I yeah. think, is 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 really, really notable. I have a feeling, I've only ever watched two of these films that are on this list. I have a feeling that they're all going to be sad, Michael. <laughs> and there's going to be heartbreak within them all. But that that's the kind of level of detail we're that's talking neat. about on this show. And I like it's that a lot. absolutely yeah. beautiful. Well, now that we've done all that, then I guess we'll just go into our Usual plugs, Michael, because it might be a new season, but it's the same old stuff from us. <laughs> uh, you can find us on social media, on uh, Instagram or Twitter, at Podcast Horseman. Be sure to send us all of your favourites from the new season so far and anything you want to talk about, really, I guess. 
send us those at Podcast Horseman. You can also find either of your hosts on Twitter. You can find myself at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can find Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit, and you can uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow along on Spotify. You can listen on Acast, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you get a podcast. And indeed, on Fridays, you can follow along at Podcast Horseman on Twitter to find this week's episode embedded within a tweet. And we have a new five-star review to read out. We've got another inductee into the Hollywood Talk of Fame, Adam Nicholas. Again, just to remind you, if you want to leave us a five-star review and a few nice words, they don't even need to be kind ones, in the uh, in the iTunes review section, you might uh, drive us up the charts. You might help more people talk themselves horse about the talking horse, which is what PCD, 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 PCD has done. They might be a fan of John Robbins and Ellis James, I think. I own email. You simply have to be these days. And they've just put this up in the head. I want to talk myself horse about a talking horse. And to prove that you can leave anything, in that feedback box and we will read it out they've simply put what are you doing here oh you piece of trash <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much pcd you piece of trash thank, thank you very much pcd 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 i'm looking forward to putting together that image <laughs> to go on the uh, talk of fame that's going to be wonderful I would be lying if I said I didn't see that one a little while ago and thought, well, it has to be a right time and a place to read that one out. So thank you very much. Well, fun. I think you've yeah. found the right time and the right place, to say the least. We welcome any and all references to the show, any and all bits of abuse, anything you think would be funny to have me read out on a podcast because you've bought your place and it leaving as a five-star review. But indeed, PCD, PCD on all the usual socials, the start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be winging its way to you. That's right, and all the abuse can go to at Michael Hamlet. That's where I believe that was directed. <laughs> Speaking of abuse, well, let's dive into Season 2, Episode 2 synopsis, shall we? Because before we go, that's what we like to do. Leave you with a little tease before next week. So, this is Season 2, Episode 2, and it's called Yesterday Land. Bojack is drawn to the one female in town who has no idea who he is. That sounds like a surprise. Because she was in a coma, <laughs> Todd opens a theme park. I mean... That's got to be one of my favourite <laughs> synopsises of all time, that, I think, so far. Um, what's going to happen, Michael? Well, who knows, but I'll tell you what, you'll have to tune in next week and mm. you'll bloody find out. Well, thank you very much for joining us. As always, I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamlet, And this has been Podcast Horseman. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big 